Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio has a 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnano, with you guys as always. And today it is time to dive in to National Signing Day. The early signing period opens tomorrow, and it is time for Carolina to bring in their 2023 class. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. There's no doubt about that. Carolina has lost some guys along the way that they had committed. Um, we just saw one of those guys actually commit here the other day. Rico Walker commits to Maryland after Carolina parted ways with him. Of course, Carolina did have three-star defensive lineman Joshua Horton committed to the class at one point, and he was flipped to Miami. But still, the majority of the class that Carolina has landed is uh, has stayed intact for them to this point. So uh, I, I think the biggest thing is is that you know for Carolina, they finished strong. Um, and we'll we'll talk about you know two commitments that Carolina has already landed. We'll talk about the commitment that looms tomorrow that Carolina looks like they are in good standing for. Um, and then we'll tell you you know what what is expected of the rest of the class. You know, do, is there anybody right now that is seen as a threat to flip? And so, uh, Zach, l- let's start with the you know the guy that committed uh, just about a week ago now, and that's Michael Short, the linebacker from Mallard Creek High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. And look, this was a big one because the biggest fish that Carolina lost in this class. Because of the position, uh, you know that he he was at. It was a position of need in this 2023 class. Uh, was Kavion Keys? Carolina loses his commitment. wasn't really all that shocking. Um, it, it was something that I think we all kind of expected. We talked about this in the middle of the season when he took a visit to Auburn. Um, Penn State, though, as expected, is the school that was the biggest threat the entire time. And they actually have landed his commitment. Uh, that picked up late last week. So, 
this th that one wasn't all that shocking, but you got to hand it to the Tar Heel staff. Uh, they did a really good job of quickly adjusting to the fact that they had lost his commitment and they scramble and bring in the commitment of an in-state linebacker, a guy that uh, had a really strong senior season and really sailed up uh, some of those recruiting boards, landing him a couple of Power 5 offers, but the Tar Heels take care of business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at it, it's not just a factor of, you know, the decommitment and sort of flirting with the other schools of, of TV on keys. I mean, this is a position that we knew North Carolina wanted to add multiple guys in it, you know, more than just one or two, probably the three and potentially four. I mean, you've got uh, obviously, you know, here this week we had the announcement of Cedric Gray uh, returning for his senior season in 2023. But that was sort of up in the air. There was some at least NFL rumors you know don't know how substantiated those are but rumors and then we saw you know Renirio Rara Dilworth enter the portal obviously he could come back but that's not the expectation at this time so you know they want to refresh this position with bodies they're gonna you know need to have guys ready to go as you know Cedric Gray more likely than not will be gone after 2023 and Power Eccles will be draft eligible maybe he enters maybe he doesn't after that as well, meaning they're going to have to replace both starters and they're going to need to have bodies ready. So, you know, I think that this was always a position of emphasis for the staff. And then for, you know, Michael in particular, this was just a guy that, you know, we've we've sort of mentioned year after year. This time of year, you always see late risers. This is one out of the Charlotte area, Mallard Creek High School in particular, which is a name that Targill fans and, you know, those within the state of North Carolina will know one of the bigger, you know, football powerhouses within the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area. But, you know, when you look at Michael specifically as a linebacker, he's tall, about 6'3", moves really well both, you know, sideline to sideline as well as in pursuit, um, has really, really good ball skills as well. I think it plays a little bit of offense there. Um, and just with his screen as well at, 6-3, you know, could potentially shade down, rush the passer on, um, you know, individual plays. So when I when I look at this player, I see one that is, you know, diverse, one that's quick and, you know, plays a little bit higher than his ranking, in my opinion, thus far. So I, I think that all around, um, just when you look at the positional need there, when you look at the actual film uh, at one of the highest levels within the state of North Carolina, of Michael, this is just an all-around good pickup, you know, for the staff and for um, Tar Heel linebackers coach Tommy Thigpen. Yeah, no, and it's a great job, as I mentioned. I, I think the biggest thing that people have to realize is again, it's it's kind of a scramble. It, it was something that Carolina, you know, they they didn't really have many options left in the class because of the way that recruiting goes now with the early signing period. Guys really do commit pretty early. I mean, the majority of the time you're seeing guys that are committing before their senior seasons officially begin. Um, and, and so I think this this was a guy that was was out there once again when at, at the time that he was that uh, Carolina offered him, he was committed to East Carolina. Carolina did that now with three different players in this class. Uh, you, you saw Ty Adams first, Aiden Duncanson, and now Michael Short. And, and this is a good job by the staff of just identifying a guy that I think fits somewhat of the same mold of what 
they were getting in the class in KV on keys. The thing is, not quite as athletic, it doesn't feel like. You mentioned, though, he does play a little bit on the offensive side of the ball, kind of plays tight end for them. We see, you know, if you go back and watch his highlight film, there are some clips of him in there playing tight end. Um, and I don't think it's anything that, you know, is... Like, he's not a guy that... I think is going to come out there and, and potentially be a, a guy who moves to the offensive side of the ball or anything at some point in his career. But I think it shows that there is some athleticism there. There is some movement out in space there. And as you mentioned, some ball skills there. The thing about it is, is that if you turn on his, if you, you know, move over to the defensive side of the ball and watch his film, there's almost no film of him dropping into coverage. So that's something that he didn't really do a whole lot of. He was, you know, more of kind of the hybrid guy. They, they, they would use him a little bit in, in you know, off the edge to try to get after the quarterback. But mostly he was a guy that played, you know, that, that typical middle linebacker role that would blitz when he had to, but was really there, you know, to play the run um, and, and be that guy that fills the main gap. And so... We'll, we'll see. I think, you know, you look at, the, the thing is, is that Carolina kind of needs that linebacker that fits the mold of what, we, what, what we've seen from Cedric Gray, what we've seen from Ra-Ra um, Dilworth, as you mentioned, um, and a couple other guys, because that's, you know, you look at the other two guys that Carolina has committed in this class, the two three-stars um, that Carolina landed uh, and and you know has had it as a part of the class for a while now in both Caleb Lavalli and Amari Campbell. These are guys that kind of fit that traditional middle linebacker downhill linebacker role. The good news is is I think one of the biggest strengths that you see when you watch Short is he's a guy that can cover sideline to sideline. And that's really the biggest thing. Yeah, the, the, the ability to drop back into coverage is one thing. But I think the biggest thing that you see from Cedric Gray is his ability to cover sideline to sideline. And so I really think this is a good pickup for Carolina. No doubt there's going to be some development that's going to be needed. But th this is definitely one that... I think Carolina fans should be excited about because here's the thing about him. He's a three-star guy. Um, he, he's, you know, if you look at the national rankings, I believe he's even outside of the top 1,500 still at this point. But th this is a guy that reminds me a lot of what Cedric Gray was coming out of high school. Now, Cedric played wide receiver, so a little bit more athletic and could do a couple of different things. Um, that short probably couldn't do coming out just pure purely purely talent wise but I do think that th this is a guy that can come in and be developed there's a reason why he, he he was able to have his best success as a senior and there's a reason why other power programs jumped on him so I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this pickup well then Carolina, you know, they, they, you would think, naturally would just flow into National Signing Day, and then they would probably land a, a guy or two. And look, Rodney Laura, the three-star defensive tackle, was on campus this past weekend. Well, apparently, Laura saw enough 
Um, there were rumors that you know today that he did commit to the staff while he was on campus. Wouldn't be shocked. I, I, I think that's what we see you know most of the time with some of these official visits. But he comes out and announces his commitment today. He doesn't even wait until tomorrow. Um, and th- this one, you know, a-, a pretty decent addition for Carolina along the defensive line. Once again, very similar to KV on Keys. This sort of fills the the void that's left behind by Joshua Horton. Um, you know, th- that was a guy that I think Carolina, you know, they picked up in the class. Part of the reason why they, you know, backed off, I think, of, of Laura to a certain extent before he committed to Virginia was that they felt like uh, they were either, you know, that they were going to land Horton or somebody else in this class. Carolina had a couple other ones out there. You'll remember Keith Sampson Jr. was another one that Carolina thought they, you know, could have still had a shot with, even though he was committed to Florida State at the time. But, um, you know, I, I think once Horton decommitted, you saw Carolina make a push to get another defensive tackle in this class. And I think with the fact that Carolina has lost a couple of guys along the defensive line to the transfer portal, um, and the fact that, you know, the, you still want to bring in, you know, good overall depth when you put these classes together along the defensive line, that's one of the rooms you have to have multiple guys in. This is another really good job by the staff to go ahead and ramp things back up with Laura and ultimately land his commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think with this one in particular, this is one that the you know staff was, was somewhat unsure of, you know, more over the summer and the spring when they were looking at him. And then, you know, obviously had another season, had more film and, you know, senior film sort of piqued their interest. And, you know, I went and looked myself. I, I sort of had that same takeaway. I mean, this was not, you know, 100% the same guy that I saw, you know, as a junior. There were improvements there. He, you know, when I watch his film, he, he looks bigger. He looks like he carries that weight well. And like you mentioned, he's a guy that, um, you know, not the, I, I would I would not say the talent necessarily, at least, you know, off the hoof of a Javari Ritzy, but you know, a guy that potentially could do similar things from a, you know, positional usage standpoint in the sense that he's a guy that you you could play at strong side defensive end, but might see a little bit more usage at that sort of three technique spot, which, you know, he plays a lot of that um, at the high school level. Uh, pretty good rushing the passer, uh, very sudden from what I saw, which was nice to see. And, you know, moved pretty well. Again, another guy that moves pretty well, sideline to sideline, uh, which you like to see in that front seven, a guy that, you know, is not going to be lumbering, um, you know. So I really liked what he brings from that, um, you know, from that aspect, like you mentioned, this does, you know, look like a pretty good replacement for Joshua Horton, you know, that did flip. And um, like you mentioned, there were a few – losses to the transfer portal and you know this wasn't a huge um position that they wanted to get a ton of those interior guys they more so wanted to focus on the edge but like i mentioned you know with that sort of versatility i think that this is a good pickup overall and you know it's good to go ahead and just get this one locked up it was nice to you know have that option to get him on a visit and everything i think worked out well 
Yeah, no, I think ultimately the strategy that Carolina had the entire way was was a smart one because I do think, you know, watching the film, I, I, I do think that Joshua Horton was probably the better player, a little more versatile. There were You could play him, uh, you know, sort of at that power end spot, kind of like we saw with Javari Ritzy this year if you wanted to. Um, and look, maybe, uh, to be honest with you, I think there is a chance that Rodney Laura could be that guy just from watching uh, the way that he plays. You know, he's a guy that I, I think, you know, at 6'4", 270, th- the best thing about him is just how athletic he is. You mentioned he can play sideline to sideline, and usually with defensive tackles, it's it's rare that you're going to see that. You know, you'll see guys that'll hustle down the field and potentially make some plays on on ball on you know ball carriers down the field if they break out into open space you know we saw that a few times even this season with Travis Shaw but it's different with with Laura he's a guy that I think you know we, we see him multiple times he's on the edge at 270 he's standing up um, and that's something that you just you rarely rarely see even at the high school level I, I mean most of the time you know with some of these guys if you are their best defensive lineman they will simply stash you on the edge just because it, usually against smaller tackles you're able to get to the quarterback pretty easily but I, I think in this case it's it's a guy that you know just is that athletic that you can actually stand him up off the ball and allow him to rush the passer. That's the thing that I think is is most important about his game, though. And I think it's why it fits this class very well for Carolina. They already have their big guy in the middle. And, you know, you're, you're hoping that he's going to be able to come in and provide some early depth. Joel Starling, the four-star, he, he, he has the size. He has, you know, the, the everything that you need from a nose tackle in the middle of that defense. So your goal was to just go out and find somebody that could compliment him, that could be that guy that can get to the quarterback on pass rushing downs. And so I think they got that in Rodney Laura. I'm really encouraged by what you see from him. Now, again, I think there are definitely, there is some development that's going to have to take place with him, um, especially on the technical side of things. He doesn't use a lot of technical moves. It's really all about him just beating guys right off the line of scrimmage. And look, that's that's part of it. There's no doubt about that. And you have to you know attribute some of that to getting off the line of scrimmage well. Um, I think you have to you know g- give him some credit. He is a physical player, um, especially if you go back to his junior tape. You see a lot more explosiveness and physicality. Um, not as much in his senior tape, but I thought you saw him sort of... I, I mean, look, you, you just look at the difference on his junior and, and senior tapes. Um, you, you see a guy that makes more explo- that, that makes more plays. It's simply more plays. But I think, you know, in terms of the physicality, um, you saw it his junior year, and I think that's something that the staff will have to pull out of him. But again, I think with him, you know, he, he's a guy that you're bringing in for depth, and you never really know what could happen with some of these guys. I mean, you look this year, and I mean, I know he wasn't great, but I think, you know, he could end up being what Kevin Hester has been for Carolina uh, over the last couple of years. And I think the biggest thing with Kevin Hester is that Kevin Hester is not a bad player. Kevin Hester's a guy that probably fits a rotational role more than he fits a starter's role. And I think that's probably what Laura will 
will, will ultimately end up being as well. Um, and, you know, you, you never really know. Hopefully a new defensive line coach will be coming in, but we'll have to wait and see on that. But you never know what somebody could develop him into. But I think even if the Carolina just gets a rotational guy that, you know, can can help them, you know, even 20 to 30, to 30 snaps a game, depending on the success rate of the guys in front of them, I think that would be huge if he can develop into that. So I, I like this pickup for Carolina. It gives them some depth along the defensive front, which I think that that's the biggest thing. That unit, they built that unit up. They've you know brought in the talent. Now it's about developing the talent. And and again, that that's a conversation I think about the coaching staff and the strength and conditioning staff, as I've talked about on here multiple times. Um, but I, I think the thing, the other important thing for Carolina is to keep building that depth and make sure that this room is properly stacked to where if there are injuries, if there are guys that struggle just that badly, you have you know the, the, the bodies in the room and the talent in the room to be able to go out there um, and, and rotate some guys in because I thought that was when Carolina was at their best this year. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back on this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast, there is another target for Carolina that is committing tomorrow, the final target in the 2023, at least early signing period for Carolina. We'll tell you what to expect from three-star running back Jordan Louie's commitment tomorrow, right after this, on this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast, back right after this. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. The reason why they have all these great ways that you can play with same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, and player prop options. So if you want to bet on maybe even some of the former Tar Heels, how many rushing yards Michael Carter will have in a game for the Jets, you can do it all at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Guys, I've been using it to bet on my favorite team, even though they let me down this past week. The New York Giants, I've been betting on them all season long, and it has worked out well for me. I've been betting heavily on Saquon Barkley. Mike Kafka, can you please help me out and use him a little bit more this week? You can bet on your favorite team, even if it's the Carolina Panthers, at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog 
at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at HackZubber2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Zach Hubbard with you. Well, we continue our signing day preview edition of the podcast with a look at three-star running back Jordan Louie and his upcoming commitment tomorrow. Carolina, uh, this is one that Carolina jumped in pretty late on, um, but they, once again, have done their homework, and uh, it has Carolina in a great position to capitalize here. They jumped into this race in November. Um, It looked like it was going to be Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky, um, Louie did have a, an official visit scheduled to Kentucky that was supposed to be for this past weekend, but did cancel that after his visit to Chapel Hill. And so now down to Carolina, Vanderbilt, and the school that he was formerly committed to, West Virginia. I found that really interesting that he put them inside of his top three. But heading in, you look at the crystal ball predictions, Carolina has picked up Every one of the ones that has been cast over on 24-7 Sports website. Um, Rivals has put in a couple of future casts, and they are going in the direction of Carolina. So uh, it looks like, as you would expect with the sequence of events that happened with him taking the official visit um, over the weekend of December 9th, and then eventually canceling the official visit to Kentucky after that, um, it, it seems like, Zach, at least in my perspective heading in, Carolina has a really good chance that you feel pretty good at with where they sit with this three-star running back prospect as he gets ready to commit tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this one, uh, North Carolina has been involved here for a while. You know, they've been um, pretty consistent in their pursuit here. Um, and it's a, you know, a pickup that wasn't necessarily a huge need, but you always want to be ready to take, um, you know, good players at, at positions where you're going to see a lot of rotation and, um, running back, you know, that that's no different. Um, this is one specifically with, you know, as it relates to Jordan Louie, uh, this is a guy that I, I, there's really not a ton of him, you know, uh, running you know short yardage and most highlight reels i mean you're just going to see a guy that's making those long runs um something that i specifically like to watch with him um like i mentioned you know you're not seeing a lot of short yardage stuff in highlights but you know you can sort of extrapolate but one thing that you do see with him is that he is very hard to tackle and, and pull to the ground whether it be you know sort of taking guys with him or just sort of breaking out of tackles he just has this ability to keep going and going. Um, even you know if he's if it's not breakaway speed, it's just a continuation of the play over and over. And it's these you know not these explosive uh, home run hit runs, but you know consistent. Uh, if you can get consistent, efficient you know explosive runs that are 10, 15, 20, you know you'll take that nine times out of ten. So I, I really really like you know him as a player as an option for this team and. You know, overall, if North Carolina is the selection, I think that just puts a nice bow on the 2023 recruiting class for the Tar Heels. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing with with this, I, I think, is kind of what you were saying right there. That look, this, this is 
a position group where you always want to have depth. And I think the other big thing with this is is that we saw this group at the end of the year, and there were there were guys like Elijah Green, very solid running back, but really there there wasn't anybody that took command of the room. And I think that's the thing that you, you were kind of hoping you would see. And so I think it, Carolina's thinking of it as, hey, we'll bring in another body and we'll see, you know, what he, he can do. Is he a guy that could potentially come out of nowhere and sort of climb the ranks? This is also just a guy I think you, you kind of take a, a flyer on and, you know, see if, if, if he, you know, can can – jump in almost immediately, maybe, you know, a little bit quicker than what you saw from Elijah Green, but in a similar fashion, you know, just is he a guy that eventually can establish himself and become a big part of what you do in the backfield? And so uh, I think this is a smart move with everything that goes on with the transfer portal too. You never know when you're going to lose these guys. I mean, especially look at Carolina's defensive back room, um, the cornerback room, how decimated that has been by the transfer portal. You, you always want to recruit these positions as much as you possibly can. And I think with Louie, you know, part of it is that Carolina looks at their class and says, look, we still have room for uh, some for someone here. We can bring him in. Um, and, and, you know, they, they feel like he is worth spending a roster spot on. Um, they feel like they, they've maybe, you know, just taken – early evaluations of the uh, of the roster. They don't feel like they have to add a ton in the transfer portal. So um, I, I think this is one of those moves where uh, you, you get a guy that is I- extremely quick. Um, I, I think that's the thing when you turn on his when you turn on his film, you notice immediately is he's got really good speed. And as you mentioned, he combines that with ma- making it difficult for him to tackle. Um, you know, he, he, he has really solid size is how I would describe it. He's not small. We've seen some guys like that. That's the one thing with George Pet with George Petaway, um, that we, you know, noticed probably almost immediately when he got on campus at Carolina was that he was a smaller back. Louie, little, 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 little shorter, but a little stouter. And it allows him to sort of run through some guys I like the mix of speed and power that he shows. Um, I mean, just you know, a couple of times you see the stiff arm pulled out from him where he just knocks a guy back. But then you'll see when he gets into open space, he can accelerate with the best of them and and simply blow by guys. So there's there's a reason why you know he he was a power five guy. I think he's he's somebody that Carolina looked at late in the class too and said. You know, is is just too good of a prospect to uh to to let walk, and especially from the state of Georgia, Carolina has absolutely destroyed the state of Georgia in this class. Um, and and look, they're they're not going to get the top players out of the state of Georgia. That hasn't been where they've done their damage. But in that middle part, in the middle part of the rankings of the state. They've done a good job of landing some of those high, some of those high-end three stars, um, and I, I think this is yet another one of those that they bring in, and it can only help. The state of Georgia is is one of the most talent-rich in the modern era of of recruiting. Um, I, I think you know you look at the southeast and the states that you have to hit the hardest if you want to have success 
are Georgia and Florida. Um, and Carolina is also taking care of the state of Virginia now, as well as the home state. And so if you combine all of that, I think that that is what is leading to Carolina's success in terms of the overall talent that is being brought in. And this is a position group where, with him, you don't worry about him being developed. Um, with, with Robert Gillespie, you didn't worry about running backs being developed. And, and so far, I don't think there's any concern with what Larry Porter has done either. So I, I think Carolina, is, this is, you're right, this is just a, a cherry on top of a, a really good class, a really solid class um, for Carolina. Not one that's going to rank inside of the top 20, most likely. But I think this this is one that following the year that you had back in 2021, the, the fact that you were able to put the, the, the majority of this class together uh, before this season even really started, um, and then the success that you had early in the season probably helped you. I, I think it really speaks volumes to this staff as to how well they can sell themselves on the recruiting trail. Well, uh, as for everybody else in the class, uh, it looks like Carolina is in really good shape with everyone. I, I think that uh, Zach, you know, when we looked at the, the class, it, the, the two guys that we were really looking at for the longest time as potential flip candidates were Keys and Horton. Um, we actually talked about them in one of the early season editions of the podcast when uh, we were recapping uh, that weekend where both of them actually visited Auburn. And I think at that time, we both kind of knew, look, they're committed to Carolina, but they're taking visits elsewhere there's a chance that these guys could decommit. We haven't really seen that from anybody else, at least to our knowledge. There haven't been any other guys that have been potentially looking elsewhere. Um, the one thing that I think what would potentially factor in here is the fact that Tony Grimes is no longer a member of uh, of the Tar Heel roster. He entered the transfer portal, and we know how much pull his dad has in the state of Virginia but ultimately, Zach, I think heading into tomorrow, even those guys from the state of Virginia that have good ties with uh, Tony Grimes' father, I think most of the all of those guys are going to stay committed uh, to this class, and Carolina will bring in uh, the the uh, group that now, if Carolina does land Jordan Louis tomorrow, which I think we both expect, will be twenty strong. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, there's there's more than just, um, you know, Tony Grime and his family that are instrumental to the recruiting of Virginia. Um, obviously, when Tony was here and, you know, when his uh, dad was, you know, involved and, you know, very influential and in sort of, you know, providing how the experience was for his son. Um, you know, there are other people that recruit within the state of Virginia, uh, more specifically, you know, the Tar Heel staff, the actual people employed by the university uh, and no more than, you know, quarterbacks coach Dre Bly. So, you know, I, I think that they will be fine within the state of Virginia. Obviously, you know, it, it's a state that they're going to continue to, um, you know, look heavily within. But like you mentioned, in this particular cycle, they, they went heavy into Georgia and, you know, wanted to see what they could get there and, and did a pretty good job there. And they're always going to have North Carolina, in the state of North Carolina, available to them so you know i think overall this will be um you know sort of these territories will be where they look moving forward and i think they can you know do a good job really 
in those main areas. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you look at this class, um, I, I think Carolina sort of took care of every need that they have. Um, it'll be interesting to see, especially at the cornerback spot, I think, because of what Carolina lost in this in, in this transfer portal cycle, if Carolina doesn't maybe try to go back and find another guy, remember that's the area really since the early signing period has been put in place. Cornerback is the area where Carolina has been able to find a couple of gems late on um, in terms of just them coming out of the high school ranks. Um, but I, I think that'll be interesting to monitor. Does Carolina still seek out anything else in this class? Because I think Carolina did a really good job with this class. You see the guys that they're bringing in already on uh, on the transfer portal trail. Um, and I think there could be more that will be heading ho- heading their way, hopefully, on that defensive front. Um, so that that's the thing, is, is how does Carolina sort of balance this? I know Mac Brown... You know, so far has really valued the high school uh, players, but I think you know w- with what Carolina you know has has seen from uh, the defensive side of the football, maybe they need some more veterans to come in there. So I, I think this this might be the full class that you'll see Carolina sign um, on uh, on on Wednesday, and uh, it looks like the majority of the guys that are a part of the class are going to sign on Wednesday. There's not a ton of confirmations from uh, the guys as to when exactly they are going to sign. Um, Chris Culliver, he did say that he was going to sign his letter of intent tomorrow on Monday, uh, which made me believe that he was signing his letter of intent today. I believe he got the days mixed up. Um, as to when it was. I think he thought that yesterday was Tuesday, uh, and he is going to sign his letter of intent, it looks like, tomorrow at 1 p.m. So uh, that him, you have Tad Hudson, who will be in earlier. He's, he's got a ceremony scheduled for 9.30. And then we did get confirmation from a three-star linebacker, guy out of the state of Virginia, Amari Campbell, uh, that he will sign his letter of intent sometime tomorrow. And you would expect most of these guys will uh, w- will be signed by that point. Um, you never really know. I think, I'm trying to remember, in the, in the entire time that the early signing period has been in place, I think there has been one player that has signed his letter of intent um, uh, out, uh, after the Wednesday. I think it was Choffrey Brown, if I'm remembering correctly, did it on the Thursday one time. Other than that, everybody else um, usually at least sends in their letter of intent. They may have a ceremony where they sign, you know, just for for for, for the, you know, the, the glory and everything like that. The high school will put them up there and everything like that. Um, they may do that later in the week. But usually most guys have their letters of intent signed and submitted on Wednesday. So we'll have you covered wall-to-wall on that uh, all day over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. You guys can head there now and check out all the coverage. We do have the breakdown of the Rodney Laura commitment. If Carolina does land the commitment of Jordan Louie, we'll have that up there on the website for you as well. Um, And then, of course, we will have a full class breakdown um, I will you know, go through and break down each guy for you guys, uh, go in-depth 
uh, as to what Carolina has brought in in this class and what this class ultimately ends up looking like for the Tar Heels. Um, and then after that, uh, things will get a little little bit quieter, maybe. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, Carolina then you would expect probably hitting the 2024 recruiting trail pretty hard. And after that, the, the preparations on you know for the Holiday Bowl will be you know what most of the staff will be focusing on. So we'll have you covered on that side of things as well with a game preview, a game re- recap, and then of course after the season is officially over, we will give you our final grades for the 2022 season uh, as Carolina looks to send it out on a high note in San Diego against Oregon. They'll enter with a three-game losing streak, but can get to that double-digit win mark and uh, get themselves a really, really good bowl win against a really good Oregon team. Um, We'll have you covered no matter what, though, on the website. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Once again, I want to thank Zach Hubbard for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tory. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.